Hello, welcome to the second episode of EG's No Filter podcast. My name is Graham Schoen. I head up our research into offices and workspaces. I'm joined, as usual, by our head of retail and industrial research, James Child. James, please say hello to the audience. Hello and good morning. Excellent. I'm delighted with how that went as the host of this. <laughs> how, are you, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, I'm, um, uh, I've just moved, moved home. Um, I'm in my new office and I've got my new stand-up desk, which is superb. I would, uh, yeah, I would recommend to anybody who, who loves working from home as much as I do. <laughs> I was going to say, um, kind of happy anniversary, really, uh, I guess, for everyone this week. It's the 12-month uh, kind of point at which uh, everybody vacated the offices uh, and went to their homes. And we've mm. largely been there, you know, for a full year now. And obviously, uh, you saw fit to move house during that. So clearly the environment... <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite working. Was that the main main driver, the main motivation for you <laughs> to um, move I, home? I, I tell you what, it wasn't the main it wasn't the main driver, but I think certainly the um, the saving money certainly helped accelerate that move. Um, it, it was you know in the offing already, but you know not spending money or much money for a, for the good part of twelve months certainly helped me um, help me with the deposit. Yeah, as I'm sure I, it has a lot of people. I've had a I had a quick glance actually um, recently at the uh, the purchase volumes the the number of transactions obviously that gets released uh, I believe on a monthly basis by HMRC and yeah mm. like uh, the De- December I think transaction volumes were absolutely gargantuan to be honest it, it like we're talking like we haven't seen like levels of transactions like that since I think like 2007 yeah. I say from my cursory glance for about two seconds at the data <laughs> but yeah like, obviously I obviously moved house as well I think I, I, about one month before you you did congratulations um, cheers and clearly like th- this is a bit of a, a a little bit of a trend isn't it it's, it's people kind of able to save money um, and obviously the stamp duty holiday helps as well but from a personal perspective it's it, it's nice to kind of have something to do <laughs> outside of work to kind of occupy my time you know like the kind of uh, planning, yeah. plotting a house move and, and all the uh, the associated things that you have to do alongside that yeah it's nice to have a focus was, you know it was nice to have a, a nice stress focus for a good few months realizing how many things I've forgot to buy and then yeah. some things I've double bought which is annoying <laughs> but you know, you know what you need, mate? You, you need a spreadsheet. You need to keep track of all this stuff. You'd think, like, in your professional remit, you'd be able to do so. <laughs> it's funny that. It's, it's funny you say that, actually. Um, my girlfriend actually asked me how many spreadsheets I've got for the new house. And I said, only two. <laughs> only two? <laughs> yeah. But neither of those were just itemizing the the items that you needed to buy and making sure of no duplication right of course of course there were the main items the main big ticket purchases were on there but things like sieves and stanley knives were not oh dear so you're you're beset on all sides by sieves and stanley knives that sounds awful if anyone needs some um some secondhand dunelm stuff then uh, you know where to come yeah at james on twitter for secondhand dunelm items other um <laughs> Other home stores, of course, are available as well. Uh, we aren't sponsored here. Um, so let's uh, use another piece of Excel terminology here and pivot uh, mm. seamlessly uh, from, I guess, well, it was uh, kind of third office spaces in the last podcast. We've navigated sort of via residential um, data and, and experiences, uh, and we're going to go over to high streets. Hugely impacted, it has to be said before, coronavirus hit. Um, but this uh, this kind of circumstances of the last 12 months have obviously really hammered the high street hard. Uh, lack of footfall, lack of kind of in-person spend, all this kind of thing has got conversations going. Um, again, 
it being the anniversary of when uh, everything kind of changed, we're kind of looking back a year on uh, and mm. trying to figure out how we plot a way forward. Um, last week, James, you were at an event, uh, virtually, of course, mm-hmm. um, discussing uh, the notion of de-anchoring. Um, it was, yes. Yeah, some folks listening might might be kind of aware again of that concept, but uh, you can just kick us off by outlining kind of what it was that really got talked about that event and about kind of de-anchoring in a broader sense. Yeah, de-anchoring is um, it's not a term that I've heard um, overused too much, actually. There are a lot of um, key themes that we, we keep talking about in retail and when it comes to what's happening in town centres and high streets. De-anchoring really focuses in on um, those big anchor stores which have been in the news, especially over the past three months, and what their extraction or removal, if you will, will mean for the future of places. So the conversation itself, I mean, I was asked to give a, you know, a, a brief overview of what's been happening in structural retail um, over the past five, 10 years, which, um, you know, which, you know, the indicators are, are out there for everyone to read, and I won't go through them all. Um, but what's happened with, you know, just off the top of my head, firstly, Debenhams, so, you know, succumbing to their death now, I guess, um, and closing all their stores this year, or at least announcing it. Um, that's been followed with uh, what's happened with Arcadia as well, hasn't it? You know, and whilst, you know, whilst perhaps they're not traditionally what you define as anchor stores, they certainly are big occupiers in, in many schemes and on many high streets. This week, we've also had news about, or maybe it's last week, um, M&S and their... Um, you know, they're looking to almost repurpose their flagship store um, yeah. in London. And then uh, John Lewis's results earlier on. It was this week, wasn't it? I'm not going John, Yeah, John Lewis. Yeah. I think the news kind of broke. It was Monday. Uh, I think it was, yeah. Uh, yeah. This yeah, week, yeah. Or, or kind of over the weekend, I think. Um, it generally was kind of coming out. The yeah. days blend into one seamlessly. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, it is, I think, because department stores or big anchor units are hub locations and they um, they are the flagship stores um, they are by far the biggest stores obviously goes without saying and for many people there's also there's almost a emotional element when it comes to a lot of these stores isn't there and a lot of people have worked in them a lot of people have bought presents for their you know for their girlfriends their wives their kids their parents in them um, there's a lot of goodwill for for department stores and you know those those brands have been along for a long time you know Debenhams yeah. has been around for 250 years so they are institutions um and the topic of de-anchoring is is pertinently you know revolved around how you replace that you know not just that empty retail unit but that gap in society and community so it's a really interesting cop- uh, topic yeah of course it, it kind of it, it does strike me um as just pushing along really of consumer behavior and, and general people behavior if you like because this all this all kind of revolves around you know I, I remember when I not so long ago when I when I did do retail research it, it was all it was kind of largely around development of shopping centers as you're aware and it, there's a lot of chat then about the anchor like what, what's our anchor tenant going to be who are they targeting for the anchor and that was always the news thing that that, that broke really when it came to these large yeah. developments it's like oh they've got um yeah, like it might be an M&S at one end, uh, targeting a John Lewis for the other end, and things like that. And yeah, it always struck me as as something that was that was just so key, I think, to to physical retail. That obviously in a shopping centre sense, but I guess for town centres as well, it's just the historic notion of how do you get people there. It's like there's this big 
flashy new it's not a new brand but it's a new store it's a new chance for you to you know go and see what what's in there and go and shop but is that i mean are we kind of are we saying that effectively the the impact of coronavirus and the necessity to to spend online i mean the, the figures for online spending obviously are absolutely massive they're up towards you know 40 percent or something like that just a real yeah. step change do we think that basically that has now been completely exploded by by what's happened in the last 12 months and people aren't going to want to go back because x store is in this town or this shopping center mm. it's now just a, a totally foreign concept for people and what will actually get them in there is either yeah i mean the old classic of leisure use types whether that's restaurants mm. bars or anything else or is it just something completely different they've now got to be homes there's got to be workspace in what used to be kind of these department stores how yeah. that works in practicality much there's absolutely enormous barriers to overcome before you can just like click your fingers <clears throat> and repurpose but effectively yeah. are we saying like that this crisis um of the last year has just completely wiped out that notion of an anchor I don't, you know, this is a question that was asked of me on the on the seminar last week, and it's a it's a really important one. I think we are in a bit of a period of flux when it when it comes to reimagining, repurposing, redesigning our physical spaces and our you know our town centres. We don't really know what the future is going to be when it comes to a return to footfall and a return to spend physically. Mm. Um, it's, it's finger in the wind. Most people will tell you that, you know, that we do expect a return to some semblance of normality. And I, I, I fully expect that as well. But, you know, there's there's so many factors at play here. One of them is going to be with a lot with a lot of these occupiers. And, you know, I'm talking about anchors in particular. There has been a, a declining need, I think, for anchor stores in retail, perhaps in post 2010, maybe. I mean, you were you, you know, you're right. I, I recall back in, you know, maybe 20 from 2012 to 2015 there was still a huge boom of shopping centers going up you know big flashy shiny ones with big anchor tenants and like look at um uh, new street in birmingham that was oh, yeah, basically cool. a big john lewis isn't it and yeah. um I, I know that andy street who's the you know mayor of west midlands up there he was he was very sad about that being the uh being the ex managing director of john lewis <laughs> he uh, he expressed his uh, his views on the you know, on their their leaving, but you know the, the structural the structural side of what, where we are in terms of our landscapes has been built around having big anchor tenants at either ends, as you said, and then there's a you know the concept or an idea that the rest of the stores and the rest of the retailers and occupiers and maybe even services will follow, and that's that I don't think that that particularly works anymore, especially from a retail perspective. No. So the question was asked of me, if we, you know, if, if these department stores are, you know, eradicated and they are no more and they're no longer fit for purpose, then what can actually replace them properly? And there are some really good ideas and some some pretty good examples of what can be done with that space um, that we've already seen. But a lot of these buildings, remember, have been purpose built for a big retail anchor. So they're often multi-level a lot of them, especially if they're Debenham stores, are hundreds of years old. So yeah. it's very it's very difficult to, to just, you know, click your fingers and turn it into flats or turn it into a trampoline park. Um there's a, there, you know, there's the there's the there's the, the building requirements that firstly need to be understood and then the wider strategy around what the town centre or place, shopping centre, high street, is defining itself as. I think so yeah. what will replace these 
these empty units there you know there is no silver bullet there is no panacea for this every place is different and i think that there's there there is you know audible concern not just from the you know the real estate family but also from uh from man on the street with this because just because of the as i said the the almost emotional um pull that these places have with with people and I, you know we've got to that i think i've said this in the um in our previous podcast so apologies to our avid listeners but we are we are almost going through the five stages of grief aren't we with this and we're now at acceptance we are oversupplied with retail space mm-hmm. department stores and anchor stores are at the sharp focus and the sharp end of this focus aren't they because they've yeah. often got higher high fixed costs they pay too much rent uh, at market value their rates are through the roof um and if people aren't using that space just to go in and shop anymore then you know you're taking away that validity for that or for those for those high costs and you know one final point i think is that whilst you know whilst whilst debenhams couldn't preempt that the internet would exist 250 years ago they the, the usp of department stores and and anchor stores in general has been a place where you can pretty much buy everything under one roof so you can do that on amazon now can't you you can do that on amazon i can do that right now if i wanted to so there are other online kind of marketplaces are also available. <laughs> sorry, guys. Just, sorry, just guys. Gonna, not being sponsored. Saying, just got to keep saying that. I mean, yeah, none of them are successful as the one you mentioned, of course. Yeah. But no, 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 you're right. I mean, the the amazing, the interesting thing, I suppose, with the with the John Lewis announcement specifically is maybe that is just the final kind of domino of acceptance, as you say. Because it, I remember again going going through retail research for years. It was all, like a towns kind of actively wanting a John Lewis. They were almost the the retailer that was just kind of floating above it all, right? Like all these crises happening, it was it, it, people were like desperate to get a John Lewis in in town centres. I might be exaggerating that a little bit, but that was always because people felt like I mean not only local people thinking about plans, but also landlords and developers looking for who who's got the biggest pull. Who can we get into this scheme to get people you know through the door and if over the weekend like john lewis you know as a result of what swinging to a loss his first ever annual loss Mm. is saying actually now we don't think i mean you mentioned just then as you were talking you know a kind of return to normality or some some form of return to normality but obviously john what john lewis seemed to be saying is well that might be true but we still need to to right size our physical portfolio and maybe that that kind of happening might just finally be the final little bit of acceptance that that things need to change you know in the retail world in a fairly big way mm. um and obviously that can't happen overnight there's going to be a little bit of of pain kind of along the way that that has to be gone through um in order for a, the over, the structural oversupply of retail um to be remedied but what's another interesting thing that you mentioned is the the kind of emotional pull of some of these places mm. and that they do kind of resonate with people but i think on the other side of this is there a chance out of de-anchoring from what we're kind of making seem like it's centered on national brands you know all the ones you've mentioned your mm. your marks and spencers debenhams your john lewis's all this kind of thing is there a chance to just replace the, the 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 emotional and physical connection to those places with something that makes places a little bit more idiosyncratic is this a chance maybe for some of those places to just rediscover their own identity rather yeah, than latching yeah. on to a national brand and what they do yeah i think i think you're right you know you are right there has been a trend over the past i, I don't know maybe 40 odd years of you know copy and paste 
when it comes to town centres. You know, if you go to any food district or F&B area or any town, especially a couple of years ago, it would have been all of the same restaurants, um, depending on what the socioeconomic viability of that place was. Mm. Uh, and that's one example. You know, it goes it goes through the food chain for you know for fashion brands and uh, and jewellery and and all, and all sorts of things. So what we were left with, and what we have been left with, is a high street that is yeah copy and pasted all up and down the country. Now that that in itself is an issue because when you have retailers that do succumb to administration yeah. or CVAs, then what you have, as you rightly said, is you, you know they, they've got a right size. Whether that means culling a third of their stores in some of their some of those you know maybe some of those areas where the footfall isn't as high as they're not making as much revenue for example there's many have tried that yeah right right sizing has its own challenges as well because you know if you if you are a retailer you are an occupier and you've got 100 stores and you cut 50 of them you know in the short term you're you're going to be saving some money on on rents and rates and, and the like and you'll be able to service your debt yeah but going forward if you don't change your proposition then surely you're you know you're still staring down the barrel of the gun so there's that on the on the occupier side going back to your main point which is which is about you know replacing uh anchors with perhaps other community-based or service-based mixed use types i think to focus solely on the, the anchor store as a remedy for that might be a little bit fanciful because yeah. you know ob- obsolescence is isn't just c- compartmentalized to these big stores they're, they're there are so many empty shops on high streets now that, that it needs a bigger wholesale readjustment, I think, in order to create a, a service-based, community-based hub. Now, anchor stores do fit the bill in terms of size and, and geography because most of them are located in the centre, aren't they? So they do offer a practical solution to trying to build something. You're right, but it's almost a bit like whack-a-mole. Like, you know, you're trying to you're trying to cover up one hole and another problem will spring up somewhere else. So it's a it's a massive, massive structural challenge. Those who are responsible placemakers are going to have to be very sensible about what they do with these big spaces, because they can. If they get it right, then they can be the, you know, the the renewed anchors for the next 10 years or and beyond. Yeah, it's, it's whether also there's an opportunity really to create, you know, like it, there's the concept obviously of multiple anchoring anyway but just have more reasons have like ve- various kind of uh, different ways to attract people into town centers and, and shopping districts mm-hmm. don't need like one individual store like or one building where everything happens you know obviously shopping center owners some of them down the years profited very very heavily from that from from being like the the envelope of attraction that gets people in gets people to stay gets people to spend spend their money but when we're talking kind of more broadly about high streets where obviously more retailing and more kind of things actually happen there's there's probably an opportunity i'd say there to to just try something it's like you might as well try something different because mm. otherwise this crisis is going to take hold in you know a really kind of more manifestly um brutal way mm-hmm. and just and just create absolutely you know like ghost towns and things like that so again whether it whether kind of these individual buildings get get changed into something because as you've said as you said before it's, it's it's tough to actually do that given some of the structures of them mm. and how they actually how they actually look what they're designed and what they're purposed for but whether there's just a chance to kind of <laughs> you know if you were if, if you were doing this you know in a 
computerized way you'd kind of take the space that's in some of these stores and you just kind of parcel it out mm. around the town if you like you'd yeah get, you'd stop the you'd take take the levels down move some of this here like we can have some some community-based stuff around that change that into some nice public realm change yeah. that into a bit of like workspace <clears throat> or what have you and we'll have that space as you know like kind of local businesses and this kind of thing but mm. being as they're all kind of all those levels are kind of piled up on top of each other it's just the nature of property i suppose and physical real estate it's tough to actually enact you know change as quickly as you might want to in the yeah. optimal way and i think that's what's going to be a massive challenge as you say uh, the people that are kind of acutely involved in placemaking over the next kind of five ten years of recovery i think so yeah i think and you know it sounds like you've um if you haven't played it already you should try sim city yeah <laughs> I, I did i did play that a little bit actually um yeah like way back when i was more of a sims person you know just sims just with the house um but yeah like i remember since i remember doing yeah doing something similar maybe that was in my head when i was just talking about that then oh that's what i that's what i had in my head you know if you you know uh, the, the well the well-trodden quote is that we've got 30 percent too much retail stock right so you know in an ideal world you you cut the bad stuff and then reconfigure the good stuff it's not the way you can do that and i know that there's been some examples of of, of master plans to to basically knock down shop, shopping centres and return it to some form of nature or, or public realm to kind of open up areas um, to encourage people to, to you know to to visit places again. So there's you know it's not it's not all bad news. I don't think you know you can be quite pessimistic around these subjects, but there are plenty of leaders out there um, working on these these long term strategies already, and there's a a number of good task forces and associations that are working towards finding solutions so yeah, of um i you know i think the future's bright um we need less retail space but we need lots of other sorts of spaces so that trade-off will continue and it will happen know, yeah of course it, it has to, it has to happen obviously doesn't it it's just yeah. it's like it, there's such a vested interest in in some of these these places you know how how do you tell the kind of owner of a, a specific kind of um, you know former department stores like actually what we think is best um, in general for the town center is if this building is just deleted uh, like like sim city and, mm. and return to nature do you know what i mean i could like you can see the appeal of, of doing something like that in maybe like slightly beautifying certain parts of town centers it's just so hard like so in practicality to do of course isn't it um we'll uh, we'll kind of wrap up the podcast there and just kind of fade in the outro music thank you very much james for joining me today anyone uh, out there with any uh, kind of questions or, or queries or wants to challenge anything that we've talked about on this podcast please get in touch with us in the normal ways uh, but aside from that i'll just end by saying thank you for listening and goodbye